Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a new comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator, and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to be talking about in this episode, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices that you are listening to. I'm Hass, and I make Strip Panel Naked on YouTube. I edit the Eisner-nominated Panel by Panel magazine, and I also edit Letter and Write comic books. And I'm Aditya, and I letter comics like Deep Roots, Bloodborne, and These Savage Shores. So this week, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different, because what we normally would do is we would each have a topic, um, but we've been off the air. The air, is that still a term when you're online? We've been off the online, <laughs> the internet for a while. Um, so we're going to use this episode to just kind of like have like a catch up with each other about what comics we've been reading and what shows we've been watching and any other thoughts on sort of media crossing our paths over the past few months. Um, I'll I'll mention one, because this, this is on my brain a lot, because... Um, uh can i spoil it because something is coming out where i'll be talking about this book a lot with other people uh it's probably <laughs> obvious um but uh i've been like going through immortal hulk the um al ewing joe bennett series um and have you read any have you read immortal hulk yet before now Are you uh, reading it? i read the first issue I read the first issue digitally so i have a very specific question for you about that issue i also read it digitally uh, so oh okay. so I don't know if it applies. <laughs> yeah because there's a particular um a double page spread uh duo like i mean two double page spreads one after the other yeah, yeah. that uh, i remember dan slot really raved about um and i wondered how like because i think you need to look at that and print to get the full effect right because i looked at that digitally and i was like um okay, that's four pages. <laughs> so like, I, I wanted to know what you thought about that. And, uh, but like, let's talk about the uh, series as a whole, because I haven't read anything past the first issue. Though. Oh, it's fantastic. Like I, 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 the re so the, the reason I originally gave it a go because I was, I came to it quite late was the first month it came out. Like when the first issue came out, uh, we do in panel by panel magazine, we do like these like short little reviews um, that I just sort of user submitted um, and that first month I had like four people uh, ask if they could do a, a short review on Immortal Hulk issue one and that never happens nice. like it never happens uh, more than one like you know more than one person wanted to review the book is rare anyway but what, like it was literally like four different people and I was like right okay and they, they were all sort of raving about it um, and then it wasn't until the month after when like uh, two or three people asked to review issue one and then like two or three people asked to review issue two of it and I was like okay this is this obviously is like a really good book um, or it's at yeah. least it's getting people interested in it and I read the first issue it was so good I thought it was, I just thought it was fantastic it's like just such the perfect version for me um, of a character whose uh, single issues I don't think I've really cared for apart from um, you know like Planet Hulk I kind of enjoyed um, or World War yeah. Hulk that whole that whole bit um, but for the most part, I, he's a difficult character. I think Hulk is a difficult character for me to care about unless Ang Lee is directing him in a film. Um, because <laughs> because it, I don't know, there's just something about him that just never, never, never comes across as interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it has to be done a certain way for me. Yeah, so basically, I mean, uh, it's 2018. So a white guy who gets angry and that's supposed to matter. It's like, <laughs> okay, no, I think I think we should probably move past that. But like, again, theoret yeah. theoretically, I have always liked the character. 
and um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed World War Hulk and um, the companion yep. series that they had with uh, uh, you know the Incredible Hulk um, sorry uh, the in the Incredible Hulk book uh, basically Amadeus Cho and uh, Hercules are basically teaming oh, yeah, up yeah. to find the Hulk I thought that quite interesting yep. because uh, I've always thought that the Hulk isn't really an interesting character it's the people around him uh, who right. you know like how does somebody care about this guy uh, it's like you've read my notes about what I'm going to say about this, because <laughs> that is because that's that's essentially what this book is about. Oh, the book is okay. not about. I mean, there is. You could probably argue issue two. So I've read four issues. So you could probably argue issue two is maybe a little bit more about Hulk, but it probably is a bit more, probably a little bit more about Bruce Banner, right? Um, and the kind of person that would drive someone to do what he did. Um, so it's probably yeah so even then probably not so much but more so the book is about the people around him um you know the first issue was uh basically starts off with um if you haven't read it starts off with like a guy robbing like a convenience store uh, that bruce banner is shopping in and this guy in a panic kind of shoots bruce banner and kills him or apparently kills him and also then kills a couple of other people that are in the store as well it's quite a quite a sort of a dark um frightening kind of opening to a to a, a comic book superhero comic book um and then it turns into the kind of this, this kind of like uh almost like uh it's like a horror film it's like a, it's like a cool indie horror yeah. film set in this house where where this robber is like with these bad guys that he has to kind of give money to and then all of a sudden like the hulk kind of like bursts out of the shadows and starts like ripping them apart and stuff yeah and it's a really really cool take on hulk as uh much more of in the in the vein of like a jekyll and hyde um, character, which is always what he should be to me. Yeah, there's so much more of that idea of Jekyll and Hyde, and like you know, like the kind of like the the ears or whatever. Yeah, exactly. He's supposed um, to be versus... a force of nature almost. Like he's he's very primal and ele- elemental, kind of. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's how they ta- that's how they tap into him. Yeah. And then so there's a really good like Rashomon issue, which is issue I think it's issue three, um, and it tells the story of like Hulk doing some destruction and smashing some stuff, but it's told all almost exclusively all from the point of view of like I think it's like four different characters, and each character's story is rendered by a different artist. Um, so you've got these kind of four different mashups of, of comic styles coming together, um, and it's all about the people. The, how, how people kind of see him and how his interactions have shaped th- th- these people's versions of events um and it's really really cool and then the fourth issue is also told from uh, the point of view of uh this canadian what's his name he's like a werewolfy kind of canadian superhero from like alpha flight i don't know superheroes. Um, he's like a canadian dude okay yeah he's all like a, he's like a canadian werewolfy superhero guy um this is how much i pay attention to <laughs> stuff clearly um and it's all told from him. He used to be like a roommate of, of Bruce Banner in college, and it kind of like tells his story alongside it. And so really what the book is about is about other people's interactions with the Hulk. But then that's just on the surface. What it really seems to be about yeah. is about the idea of what it takes to be, to become great. And then does that greatness also have a kind of like this evil impact on you? Because like the Canadian superhero guy, he wanted to do what Bruce Banner did, and he so that he did gamma radiation on himself, and he created into this this evil hero that had like a demonic possession kind of thing going on. Yeah, something like that. No, it's not that, but something like that. We'll say that. I don't know. I don't know superheroes, man. (laughs) It's like Canadian Alpha. Like who? Alpha Flight. I don't even know what that is. Um, But it's so 
I don't know. Um, but it's it's like that. So the idea was the idea to me. What the thing kind of speaks to me about being about is like there is another version of you, right? In, in the first issue, it was all about reflections. It's like I look back in the mirror and what do I see? And he sees this evil monster of Hulk. And that's the thing is like when we as 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 uh, people that want to do something important or whatever in life and you look back in the mirror and it's like what have you become and that's that monster that's facing which is very much like a Jekyll and Hyde yeah, yeah. as well so I, I just really like that like I really because it speaks to me more than any other superhero book that would just be about like Hulk punching stuff or like oh he's a bit scary like oh no does he do bad things but it actually is trying to say something can communicate something I really really like that yeah that, that's interesting that's interesting as he, I've always thought that like uh, the book the Hulk book that I'd want to read is where Bruce Banner is also an asshole because <laughs> I, I mean like you gotta be like if if you're getting angry that many times and turning into turning into a monster like your normal self can't be that much of a nice guy like seriously right yeah so does this book well, by any chance do that because if it does i'm completely sold it implies very heavily that he's not a nice guy but like not a nice guy is in he has a thing he is determined to do and he's happy to kind of like do that at whatever cost so in that in, in the fourth issue there's like these kind of like flashbacks to him being at college and he's kind of a dick kind of a dick like yeah. he's he's kind of dismissive of people um he and he very much wants to be like the smartest guy in the room and wants to own that as his thing um and and that ends up being uh the question of like is he good or bad because like i'm pretty sure that that is very much positive like in the first issue of him saying like is it, am i a good guy or am i, or am I a bad guy? yeah and, like how much sure. does this evil part of me define who i am correct yeah. um and i think that's really interesting because it's like it's like at least it's 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 you know it's asking a question at least at the very least it's me it's asking me to think a little bit about something and i and it's like i'm not expecting superhero books to do like a like a, that all the time um or in like or even specifically like really heavily but this is a really good example of how you do like a a a book that has a fun story right it's just like it's it's like good to read it's enjoyable to read but also will linger with you a little bit like i've i've been reading these issues kind of a couple of times over the past week and they are just i mean apart from the canadian guy from alpha flight's name they <laughs> they do like stick with you they link they linger and the structure of them is so good as well i mean i think al ewing from a writer's side is like really really strong uh at like doing those kind of like one and done stories um and i think we want we need more writers like al ewing that can write a, a 24 page story that is like done boom I, i'm satisfied and yeah i still want to catch it next time it's out yeah yeah i think i think that's yeah that sounds great like are these all single uh stories as in each issue is a single story or is it a continuing thing yeah it's a, well it's a continuing thing as in there is there's an overarching narrative of which like Bruce Banner is is now has now resurfaced. I guess he'd gone missing, as I say, I don't know. Like yeah, he was dead, <laughs> I, mean, I believe. Yeah, yeah because, because okay. She Hulk series was doesn't all about her like, coping with his death. Yeah. Doesn't that happen like every like year? Doesn't he die like ever and disappear every year? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, no, he disappears like... a lot, but I don't think he dies quite a bit. I, I think he okay. might have died a couple of times. I I I you know what? I'm not that much better than you about <laughs> the superhero stuff. Like I, I, only... I read randomly, like uh, I don't know. Like I, I sometimes uh, confuse my continuity because I read books from different decades. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's yeah no he's green in this one, uh, so that's good. <laughs> no, but he's he's um yeah he I think I guess he, so if he was dead and then he's kind of like resurfaced and there's like a whole thing about people trying to track him down, um but he's also yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like a detective story as well because uh the, the Hulk can like sniff other radioactive beings and he's kind of like tracking down other radioactive people and kind of trying to stop them or you know or kind of like help them in some regard. Right. So yeah. it's. 
it's kind of like a case of the week you know style thing but each one has a very distinct theme like the first one was very much like a like a kind of like a horror film um yeah. the second you know thriller horror thriller thing the second one um was uh more much more like an like an old school like almost like hammer horror to me kind of style thing with a hmm. bit of detective mystery in there as well um the third yeah. one was very much just rashomon um so it's like I don't know what you'd call the fourth one. Uh, it's more of like a flashbacky kind of, let's say Citizen Kane, why not? Um, but, it, but it was like, you know, each one has a very distinct thing it's doing. And, he, and while they all feel different, they all very obviously tie together quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think I think that that sounds like a book. I mean, that sounds like head and shoulders about most books you read every week. So uh, I think I don't think we can go wrong with Al Ewing. Like I haven't read as much of his Marvel stuff as I really should have done um but i don't as far as i can gather i don't think he's written like a bad comic yeah i think uh see my introduction to his writing was his brilliant uh this thing um or the uh the parody thing that he did for 52 um all right okay. the ralph dibney stuff uh the the blog do sure. you remember that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not hallucinating that right no I, i'm sure i'm sure that's a real thing you're talking you, you've entered more superhero <laughs> conversation comic books into the conversation of which i've got no i think i read oh. like i read like issue one and two of that 52 series i think that was it yeah so i i read that uh pretty religiously because uh that was for me like the last i don't know like that was my last connection to the dc universe Right. Uh, so I remember that. So like, uh, there was a diary of Ralph Dibney thing that Al Ewing did, which made me like a big fan of his for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I- I've read his Rocket Raccoon graphic novel. That was pretty nice. And mm-hmm. I think I've read a couple of stray things here or there. He's really like he's dependably good. Like he's uh, <laughs> for, for for me, it's like the uh, it's the uh, Warren Ellis thing where even if I might not necessarily like a particular issue. I'm not mm. going to have any difficulty getting to the end of it. Like right. It's going to be right. very readable. Like it's going to yeah, be yeah, enjoyable yeah, yeah. at the very end. Oh, you know, yeah, I, like for sure. The, yeah, that's all you think each of those issues are super readable. Like it's, I, I, I do think a big part of it is just the fact that like I know it's going to end. Like that doesn't sound like a positive statement. <laughs> what I mean is it, it, it's going to have an ending. And yeah. I think that's that's what I struggle with a lot with. And not that's not, you know, superhero books not so much maybe but just generally comic books month to month comic books is knowing that like i'm gonna get a thing and it's a thing from start to finish and it's like it's so refreshing to know that it's he's he's gonna you're gonna get something in this book that is like a complete whole and it's like it's a different thing it's a different style it's like it's the same but it's a little bit different a little bit tweaked and it's got it's got a start you know beginning middle and end and i'm gonna kind of feel satisfied and that satisfaction in most of the cases with each of those issues is the thing that has made me want to go back and read the next one it's not so much that i would argue that they have particularly they do obviously they they all do end on a cliffhanger page you know in very much like a kind of like a saga style but it's not even so much that that gets me to think like oh i want to come back next time it's just the fact that like it was so good that i i want to give that more of my time like there were that there were books where i've where i've read that i've had really strong cliffhangers and i've kind of gone like "Ah, i know yeah i kind of want to find out but also like you've cheaply got me to care about it whereas this (laughs) gets you to care you know what i mean you know what i mean though right whereas this one gets you to care about it because it's good like because it's enjoyable like I, i enjoyed reading it and I don't yeah, know, it's yeah. weird that I don't think I can say that a lot about like a ton of comics that I enjoy reading them, but I really enjoy reading this one. That's, that's great, man. Like I, and yeah, it's, well, I mean, we, since we work in comics, I think uh, we get to see a lot of comics, but see, the fact is that 90% of everything is not necessarily going to be good. So, 
uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to find these one comics which is like I mean I can usually tell a comic that I'm gonna con- like I'm gonna be reading for years as in that <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be coming back to and yeah. you know like I'm guessing this is kind of like that for you like this is something that yeah, you can come for back sure. to for like fun yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised super pleasantly surprised very cool very cool yeah, you've That's got nice. you've got another you've got a Marvel book, right? That you've been enjoying. Yes, uh, like it's also one of those books which I'm gonna come back to as a comfort read quite a bit. Uh, yeah. this one's Tom Taylor's All New Wolverine, mm-hmm. uh, which ended recently, which is why I uh, you know I read it all uh, because I I really like Tom Tom Taylor's writing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he wrote this um, thing called Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, which yes. is a tie-in comic to a game that I'm never going to play. Uh, but <laughs> I really like the, the the setup of that is so incredibly like sounds stupid to me, which is that uh, Superman kills the Joker and becomes the villain of the DC universe or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Tom Taylor actually really made me enjoy that book. Like, because in that sort of alternate universe setting, he was writing characters who I could like, maybe not necessarily care about, but at least like I was enjoying looking at them. I was enjoying seeing them change. Mm-hmm. And see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know where the game began, like, because I, I have zero interest in the game, uh, <laughs> but I was like, okay, he's getting somewhere with this. And I was very disappointed when he left that book and like somebody else kind of finished it up. So when I saw that all new Wolverine was done by him, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this because I, I'm a big fan of the first um, X twenty three series, uh, yeah. Innocent Lost, Innocence mm-hmm. Lost, uh, and I I tried the books after that, but like just never never really worked for me. Like I'm uh, I don't know like mul- multiple reasons, but like so I was like okay, Tom Taylor is writing that character who's now Wolverine. I want to see what happens, and that book is so much fucking fun, man. It is like there are there's interesting character react uh, interactions every issue. Um, yeah. Laura is brilliant. Like Laura is X twenty three. Like now Wolverine, now X twenty three again. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But she is just brilliantly portrayed. Like he, I feel that he really gets that character. And there's like a she has a companion called Gabby, who's like a twelve um, year old clone of hers. Who's yeah, yeah. I've seen bits of her online, and she looks fun. She is amazing. Like she's fantastic. <laughs> like she's she's way too enthusiastic about everything. It's like what if. Uh, Laura didn't have a bad childhood except Gabby also had a bad childhood (laughs) so like it's just fascinating watching this character who's like how are you so happy how are you so chirpy like it's very interesting like how how does she not let things get to her and what happens when things do get to her so like it's like it's it's a journey that I wanted to go on with those characters and Mm -hmm. uh, the last arc of it is old woman Laura which is firstly the best idea ever nice yeah 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 so it's it's basically uh instead of a dystopia it's basically utopia and uh, laura is basically ruling madripur and (laughs) is doing a great job and it is it is that you know one last uh heist thing uh story Uh so Uh the story itself is kind of okay i don't think it's necessarily taylor's best on the run but just like looking at those characters and seeing where they would get to in like an alternate future like i mean that future is probably not going to happen in the real Marvel universe or something, but yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like he gives them an ending. Yeah. And it is just like, I mean, I really wanted Laura's character 
to be well done by by somebody mm-hmm. in the marvel universe and that <laughs> book really gave me that uh, so like i mean see, seriously like uh, superman and uh, x23 are the two characters that i can say i kind of cared about in mm-hmm. all of like the big two comics thing like there is in yeah. superhero comics so like it was nice to get like a good comics ending for her and um, i would say like around uh, two thirds of it is really well drawn as well uh, like the some issues that i i'm not going to name which artists i didn't like or whatever but <laughs> a lot of it is really well drawn with really nice characterization like good mm-hmm. acting and stuff so it is just like i'm not going to say it's like the like best thing ever but it is just a superhero comic the way i wanted to read one Yeah, I think sometimes that's what you want, though, right? I think, like, uh, I know, obviously, like, we want to hold everything up to the highest possible stand, but also sometimes you just want to read something that's, like, nice to read and, like, like, it's enjoyable to read. It's like you spent your time having fun with this thing for for a few hours or whatever. Exactly, exactly that. And, like, also, Tom Taylor kind of knows how to write every single Marvel character, at least according to me. (laughs) <laughs> like so every, everybody who shows up it's like okay i haven't seen them written that well for a while like deadpool for example tom taylor should definitely be writing deadpool i would read a deadpool comic if he wrote it do you know so the thing that i the only thing that i really know about so injustice i it when i i came it was like a, a playstation plus free game once or whatever so i, I played it then i didn't i didn't quite I, I skipped the intro or whatever. I didn't really get what was going on, but it was kind of a fun fighting game. Um, yeah. But then weirdly, uh, a bunch of my friends who don't read comics were telling me about this Injustice comic and they were like, oh, we, we're like we love this Injustice comic. <laughs> and I was like, and, that, and they sort of explained the idea to me. I was like, that, like okay, to me, I don't. Uh, to me, it didn't seem like a good idea. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, it didn't. It didn't seem like it would work. It didn't seem like it would be interesting. And I read like the first handful of issues that I borrowed from a friend. I borrowed comics from someone else, which is ridiculous for me. <laughs> I borrowed my friend's copies of uh, of this injustice thing, and I was like, "This is this is better than it has any right to be." Like this. This exactly. was one of those things where someone went. Like, we just need a tie-in book for this thing because this game's going to be big. We just need, like, a tie-in book to sell some comics. And then someone went, no worries. I guess Tom Taylor went, no worries, and then wrote the shit out of it. And that's what it seems like has happened. Precisely. (laughs) It exactly exactly felt like that. And he got a pretty nice artist in Bruno Redondo as well. Mm -hmm. And, like, they were just like, that comic did not have any fucking right to be as good. (laughs) Right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And and yet... And people loved it. Like, as I say, like a, a bunch of my uh, friends who don't read comics got into a few comics by reading Injustice because they just said it was like incredible. They played the game. They, they, you know, they did what marketing and DC wanted them to do, which was they bought the game and then they tried the comic. And then, yeah, yeah it's, they, they, the comic just shouldn't have been as good as it was because why should it have been? And it was. It was really good. Yeah, exactly. That that I think uh, I don't I don't know why I actually read that in the first place because I don't <laughs> generally don't read tie-in comics if anything, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I think I just liked a couple of the covers or something, probably. So yeah. I just yeah. It it was originally a digital comic, like that is uh, like so. It 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 was one of those things where uh, they're gonna do it like in three different versions so that they can make their money back. I think. So like that <laughs> yeah, is how yeah, little yeah. faith they. I think they probably had in it, but it was just seriously like a nice comic. Like it was, yeah. Like it was. It is weird to say that a comic in which. Superman kills the Joker was actually less dark than the actual DC universe at the time, but it kind of was. Like it was yeah, more yeah. fun than the rest of the DC comics, at least according to me. Like I mean, I don't. I just dip in and out of uh, DC comics. Mm-hmm. So, like because I, I see. I mean, I'm one of those guys who really cared about the DC universe till, in my mind, they spoiled it for me. Uh, so the point where Sue Dibney died is basically the point where I'm like, I think I'm done with this. 
so like they haven't gotten me back like same same with spider-man like i love spider-man except when they kind of disassemble their marriage i was like i think i'm done with this like i i i wanted to read this all my life but uh cannot continue anymore like <laughs> yeah that's not a good Yeah no that's fine I think I think see everybody's got a drop off point mine just happened to be specific ones like I I believe right. that yeah, I was yeah. doing a great job with uh, Spider-Man and I really like Spider-Verse like I read that one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but that didn't really make me want to read the rest of the Spider-Man books because I was like okay if he's not married to Mary Jane what's the point of that like <laughs> I I I don't think I've read and this is obviously we're slight tangent but I, like I don't think I've read any superhero story long enough. Uh oh I guess technically every superhero story I've read has been a drop off but I, I haven't read anyone long enough <laughs> to like to like have that moment where I'm like oh this has been ruined now. I think I, like the only thing I've read the entire run of or like a, a particularly long run of has been like Ultimate Spider-Man which I basically enjoyed the entire thing. Um, oh really? Okay, because yeah, I, I looked, would have thought I, I that also. that had a couple of drop-off points as well. Like I, I didn't read that. I read the first twenty issues, yeah. and for me, I was like, oh, "This is really nice. This is really fun." But I don't know. I already know the story, kind of thing. Well, I was reading it like so. That was like I read. That was like the one of the very, very first comics like I ever read. Um, oh, okay. So, okay. so I was following just that basically. I was like, it worked. I didn't need to read anything else. It didn't. Nothing else was confusing to me. Um, this was coming in like when a lot of other series were like in their hundreds, number you know, like number hundred and thirty or whatever. Yeah. And, that's yeah. What, and I was like, Ultimate Spider-Man, and it was like there was like four or five volumes out maybe. Um, hmm. And I like got those four volumes or four or five volumes, and I was like, this is cool. I can read this from start to finish. It makes sense. <laughs> I don't really need to read anything else. And I was like, that was just like pure fun comics but i think that's like the only thing where i've read there's so many things that i really want like x-men okay so everyone told me x-men red is like a really really good one um uh, that is again X-Men... a popular comic if i remember correctly yeah so everyone told me x-men red's really good to get into so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to give that a go but like x-men is one of those things where i've desperately wanted to read x-men like I've, I've always felt like i was missing out on something so i really wanted to read x-men i wanted to kind of get get the x-men i wanted to find out what their whole shtick was um and i read like ultimate x-men it was okay um i quite then, enjoyed that like that was a it was, it was, it was okay yeah it was all right and then yeah. and then i picked up like a whole bunch of x-men comics and i started reading them and i was like i've got no idea what's going on it felt like it was like it felt like i'd wandered into a conversation halfway through yeah, and i was like slowly yeah. trying to pick everything up and i was like that guy's like i don't really know what they're on about but maybe it's funny i don't know i'll laugh anyway i'm laughing now am i part of the joke and he turned the page like no i'm not part of the joke and no no they've gone on to something else you know what i mean i was like it was like when you were reading it, like i was like the uncool kids uh at the party just like desperately trying to fit into one of the groups um you know it just, what? It just always one... felt like there was something else. apart from claremont's excalibur like excalibur i I love, <laughs> but apart right. from that, like okay. the regular X Men, I just couldn't get into, man. And I really want to. So X Men Red, yeah. I'm gonna have to try X Men Red. Yeah, like I, I, I would also recommend, like if you just want to understand what is interesting about the X Men, just read Grant Morrison's new X Men stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, that I have read that actually. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because that, that is... Any, anything where they're all in leather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's my thing. Like I was introduced to the X Men by one uh, Rom Space Knight comic when i was like 7 or something like <laughs> yeah. uh, one random comic had turned up in india yeah. and i really loved that one and i was like okay rogue is the best character ever like uh, mm-hmm. and mystique is like amazing as well um and then i actually when i became an adult and i actually figured out oh like they publish a lot of these um so i i tried to read x men stuff and i was like 
I'm missing something. Like, there's like, what is this about? Like, why, uh-huh. why, why am I reading this? This is just people talking. <laughs> and then I read Morrison's X Men because I like I really like Morrison's work, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I suddenly get why these characters are interesting. Yeah. Okay. But again, like after that, I tried a couple of more, uh, uh, you know, series X Men series, yep. and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, lost me again completely. Uh, but yeah. uh, apparently, Kieran Gillen's written a run which I haven't read yet, so right. I. I'm going to check that out at some point. There was the, there was the Joss Whedon one uh, with um, Cassidy, right? That was like the 12 issues. Astonishing I did not X-Men. like that. It was like, and again, it was, it was, I think, all for the for people who are already fans of the thing. Yeah, I liked it because I liked I liked the way it looked. Uh, but that, when I was reading it, I was like, this is very much like, it was designed to be like, oh yeah, get into the X-Men. But it was very much, it very much had the feeling of um, winking and nodding constantly, which is very frustrating when you don't know what's being winked and not, like nodded at. Exactly. Um, yeah. it's, it's, same, it's, same. Yeah, it's difficult. But, but what I, what I, this, I was really going to try and segue that onto a, uh, another thing I was going to talk about, but it's there's, <laughs> there's absolutely impossible to do. Um, oh wait, no, oh, no, it's impossible. Because um, what I was gonna, uh, I was gonna try and you, you, could, you could transition to this to one of the other topics, I think, because uh, the X Men appealed to people in a very specific way that these books were also intended to. I think. Murder Falcon. No. <laughs> young animal books, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the young. So that's the other thing. So it turns out a lot of the things that I read are mostly re- work related. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've been reading a lot of the young animal stuff. Um, are you all right? Did you die then? No, no, no. I just coughed. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm having a bout of allergies today, so yeah. Well, the, uh, the young animal books feature no allergies as a segue, um, <laughs> but they no. It's one. Yeah, I've been reading them for the new panel by panel, which is coming out at the end of the month, and. Uh, I'm reminded how interesting they are. I think all of them uh, have got at least something that is worth them being not cancelled. Like, it's, <laughs> it's 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 it's. I know they they've kind of like hinted there's going to be more, and I think like there was like a hint like Steve Orlando is probably going to maybe maybe be writing Doom Patrol soon. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think Steve would be a really good choice for it. Um, yeah, but it's just a shame that like the other ones have gone away because they're all really good. Like uh, Cave Carson, which was not my favorite when it started, de- yeah. developed into something that became really, really, really interesting. And like, like I love the family dynamic of it. I love the sort of dealing with grief um, that it evolved into. I thought that was excellent. Uh, Eternity Girl, I, I I love Eternity Girl. I love comics that have like a, that feel like they have a very, very, very specific and unique and sort of like direct voice. Like it, yeah. it, it's one of those things where you can it can it feels very, very much tied to a person to the person making it and i really really like that um nice. well, that is by max know. max visage right yeah and sunny sunny lou Liu, oh, Liu. F- oh is that like he's drawing that i did yeah not yeah know that. yeah it's really it's a really it's a really I, I love sunny book. yeah um obviously doom patrol is obviously incredible yeah. um uh nick darrington on that book is just phen- well yeah, i mean the whole I, crew tom and, and tamara as well and todd klein are amazing on that book yeah, yeah, I, I met Nick at uh, Thought Bubble last year, and he was like so, like very almost embarrassed to hear how much I liked his work on that. He's, <laughs> he's like, uh, but he's amazing; like, he's fantastic on that. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I, I remember he was talking to Chris Ward, uh, and oh. Chris, Chris Ward looked looked in my direction, and I like I love Nick Darrington's work, and and Chris looked all he did. I think maybe Chris even just breathed in my direction, and I was like, oh, I'll take that as a sign to go over there and introduce myself. So like. <laughs> 
like Chris looked at me and I straight away was, I sort of like, you know, like the kind of like the nod you do where you don't really nod, you just kind of like raise your eyebrows. So <laughs> yeah. I like raised my eyebrows at Chris and I think I could see on Chris's face was like, no, I don't, I didn't mean come over. And I was like, school, I'm on my way. And I like walked over there and then Chris sort of, I guess felt like obliged to introduce who I was. Uh, and I, I had like a stack of panel printed panel by panel issues in my hand. And I just kind of like shoved them at Nick Darrington. Like, they're, and they're, they're heavy as well. I gave like three heavy magazines. Yeah. No doubt he probably just chucked them in the bin as soon as he was, his, like his luggage was overweight or whatever. But like, I just kind of like shoved them at him and was like, oh, I really like your work. Chuck it in a comic magazine. Um, he was super nice about it. He was very, very, very gracious. Very, very nice dude. And I, I saw the sketches that, that Chris got from him. They're incredible sketches. Beautiful nice. work. It's yeah, like I his pencil crayon yeah. work is phenomenal. Seriously. I mean, I have no, like, as in, it's one of those things where I can't imagine how that happens. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like uh, most, most of the art I see, it's like, oh, I understand how it happened. Like, I might not be able right. to do it. I'm like very far from it, but I understand how it happened. Yeah, but yeah. like his work is just like how, how did that how did that exist like it's just so perfect right yeah. it's like it's so there's nothing wrong with it yeah, i remember it's his like the, mr miracle cover like that first one it was just oh, so good. it was yeah. yeah those covers oh my those mr miracle amazing stuff amazing. Yeah. like uh, man like it's jamie rich right i think because jamie did jamie rich edit the the young work uh the young animal books as well uh, I I've got don't a feeling know like for sure. I think Gerard Way and Jamie Rich. I, I, I again, I, I'm not as very well informed about this stuff. Ja- I mean, because Jamie Rich seems to have a, like a pre- it's him. Him and Will Moss have got like these incredible track records at Marvel and DC, right? For doing like some yeah, really yeah. good books. Like Immortal Hulk, I think now is under Will Moss. Yeah, I, th- I think like- uh, Shelley actually start like Shelley Bond actually started to uh, sorry help the uh, books get started before she. All right. Oh, yeah, what and- with the animal ones? Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was basically like originally, I believe. Uh, I can, you could I see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, you can. Yeah, see because that. I, I listened to an interview with Way, uh, Gerard Way, and he kind of was talking about it. Yeah. Well, you can. I, there's there is a there is a kind of the young animal books to me have felt the most uh, like Vertigo books um, of the recent years. I think even maybe even a little bit more so than the actual branded Vertigo books. They they were the ones because Vertigo for me, thinking back to like early Vertigo, always has like that that imprint of like uh it was kind of like the dc stuff but in a weird and unique way or like not that the regular dc comics weren't unique but specifically maybe leaning a bit more on weird uh but they but they still had those ties to the dc universe before vertigo became like the place for kind of like really cool crime books and things like that um yeah yeah, animal man and uh, i think a couple of others something and constantine and yeah uh, yeah even even, like the first few um, sandman issues even yeah, I know. Actually, Sandman continues to have uh, relations with the DC Universe till the end. But uh, Shade the Changing Man as well. I, although that yeah. came later, I think. So it's it, like that felt like very much like that. And it also it also sort of brings me back, like whenever I read these Young Animal books, it kind of brings me back to like the age when I was reading the early Virgo stuff. <laughs> like kind of like 15, nice. 16. Yeah. Like it makes me feel, not that it makes me feel young again, uh, but it kind of like, <laughs> it, it, it puts me in the headspace of that time. And uh, most of it because... A lot of those the young animal books are about uh, kind of like a very specific place in time. Um, I think yeah. if you read like Shade, it's very much about like growing up. Um, hint from the changing from changing girl to changing woman. Um, but <laughs> even stuff like Cave Carson is about growing up and uh, with his daughter. Um, Eternity Girl is very much about like finding yourself. It's so it's like all these, these, these all the books all have a very strong 
connecting thread in kind of like theme and tone um yeah. but they all kind of take different ways of exploring it and that's like it's just a really good it's just a really cool thing i hope we i hope if young animal doesn't continue um you know if, if it's just doom patrol or whatever that carries on but i hope we see more opportunities for things like that like these kind of like pop-up imprints to do a handful of books that do six or 12 issues um and just are their own thing like because i think i don't know it just cultivates like a really cool space where like i i read doom patrol and i thought like that was a that first issue of doom patrol was great and I, I, I was ready to try anything else they get like they they brought out like based on that one issue and it's not the same as if i bought batman i'm not necessarily willing to try anything else that dc brings out in that superhero realm but like when you do these kind of little pop-up small you know kind of really um nurtured kind of imprints i'm much more willing to spend my money on anything that you produce from that to see yeah. to see if no, it fits I, get that. It I, I do get that yeah but i'm a big fan i don't like did you read any of them uh, I read uh, I, I read Doom Patrol till I think six, like the first volume. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a volume, right? I read it digitally, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a part six. I read the first issue of most of these, uh, apart from Eternity Girl, because I think that came later, right? It did, yeah. Yeah. So the first run, like, so that's Mother Panic, uh, Cave Carson, uh, Doom Patrol, and I think one more. What was that? Shade, Shade, Shade the Changing. Yeah. Shade, I actually haven't read at all because I have a huge attachment to the old series, so uh, <laughs> I've been reluctant to kind of. It's and really I'm good. Sure it's, yeah, I'm sure it's entirely different, and it's really good. And Cecil is really nice; it, like she's really great. And as is, uh, I think Marley Zarconi drew that. Drew that right? Yeah, beautiful. She's amazing on that book. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Like I really like her work, so I should try it out, but like reluctant because of the previous connection. But Doom Patrol, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Uh, and uh, Cave Carson, I was like. Mike Oming, I'll give it a chance, but I don't know. It didn't really connect with me in the first issue, at least. I will say it took a little bit of time to get going. Right. I think it took it took a while to find its feet, but when it did, it it was strong. But yeah, cool. yeah I'd agree. Cool. I, it wasn't the, for me. Maybe it wasn't the strongest first issue, um, yeah. but it was. It it found its feet well after that. You know that's fine. Like that's something that comics actually like. It's that's great about comics that you kind of get a month between issues, so you kind of <laughs> figure it out. Like it's it's like a TV. Like you know, sometimes between the pilot and like the first six episodes or something, you kind of see the series evolving into what it's going to be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that's nice. So I think I'll give it another chance. Uh, I, like, I I don't yeah. think you'd go wrong with any of them, honestly. Like I the I Milk Wars, I didn't read, which was like the big crossover thing. Oh, so you um, just skipped that? Yeah, yeah, I just skipped that, and it was uh, because because it didn't it didn't fit into like my philosophy of it. Like I I was seeing Young Animal as I said, like as it, it was like its own little little thing. Like, obviously, it has ties to the DC universe and stuff, and obviously, like Mother yeah. Panic exists in Gotham and, and things like that. But it's yeah. like I just wanted them to be their own thing. I didn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of the idea of crossing them over. I read the first issue, and I will say it was beautiful. Like it like it looked incredible. Um, Who drew that? It, I think was it Akko, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think and I think Frank um, quietly did the covers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, who wrote it? Maybe Steve Orlando wrote it. Maybe. This is how well we research this show. Uh, <laughs> but, See, although I will say that Milkman Man is probably my favorite name for a superhero ever. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll get. I'll go. Yeah, it's. I know. I like. It was. It was like a fun first issue, but it wasn't. It wasn't what I wanted. Like it wasn't. That wasn't what I enjoyed from those books. So I didn't really. I didn't stick around for the rest of it. Like it yeah. wasn't. It was not. It was no fault of the work itself. It was. You know. It was just the. It was me. So no, it's, I, I think stick... it doesn't fit into your picture of it. Like I mean, and, yeah, and, I, and based on what you're saying, like they did the smart thing of not letting the crossover actually. And as in, like not reading the crossover is, doesn't really spoil your enjoyment of the uh, return series, right? No, there's like there's like a you know there's like little sort of mentions of it, kind of like hints of the thing, but it doesn't it doesn't really like to, as far as I'm aware, like unless I've missed the, like a whole thing in all the, in all the books, it didn't really have much of an impact on on like the way I was reading it. I think like if you if you haven't tried the animal book, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't tried them, like Doom Patrol is probably the one to start with. I think Doom Patrol is uh, probably a, like it's just close to like I mean. It's a shame because the scheduling issues obviously have happened, and it's not it's not at the end. Um, but Doom Patrol is like a really really interesting comic book, and it's like really 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 well done. Um, so I'd, I'd start with that, but then I don't think you'd go wrong with any of these books. That's cool. That sounds that was nice. I was thinking that this ties because I'm the fan of I'm always a fan of like a perfect segue, and I do think I <laughs> I wonder if me talking about young animal books uh, making me putting me in the in the wavelength of being like 15 16 years old ties right. nicely with a show you want to talk about do you think Does absolutely that work? that's actually i think your first good segue in six yes. episodes uh, we can, i think we can call it here uh, i wish i had a little bell i could ring uh, yeah but Amazing. but yes i have been watching riverdale um in fact i have been watching riverdale since it began but i kind of mm-hmm. dropped off after like uh, four or five um episodes and then recently I read uh, most of Mark Quaid's uh, new Archie book. So Mark yeah. Quaid and Ian Flynn wrote most of it. And uh, uh, Fiona Staples started uh, with, with the art, but I think it shifted over to like Veronica Fish and other people. Mm-hmm. And so like that, I read that and I was like, okay, so this series kind of wouldn't um, exist without... Uh, Robert uh, Aguirre Sakasa's series uh, Afterlife with Archie, yeah. uh, which kind of directly led, led into like both Riverdale and the new Archie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Afterlife with Archie. So I was like, okay, let me go back to Riverdale. And here's the thing. Riverdale is fucking bonkers. It's like, <laughs> it's a very strange series in some ways. Like, it, I, I, I mean, when it was announced, you could kind of see that it's trying to be Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it's trying to be like five different things all the time in every episode (laughs) and i think half of them tend to fail but that makes it only more fascinating to me because i think it's like i I wouldn't call it a well-made series particularly but it's genuinely trying to be interesting all the time and i kind of value that it's trying to do like the it's it always feels like it's trying to do like the water cooler moment thing Right, so it's always yeah. it always wants to have something to talk about. Yeah, did does, you know this happened? Did you know yeah, Archie yeah. fucked Miss Grundy? <laughs> I don't know. Did did you know like okay, like okay, so so there's a uh, proper hint of incest in like Afterlife with Archie with the blossoms, mm-hmm. and like it kind of gets brought up here as a joke. Like like okay, this is like live action, and there are people accusing each other of like oh, so twin cysts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so genre self-aware, and it's kind of running through the tropes at a like a weirdly fast clip all the time. <laughs> uh, Jughead is this 
utterly mopey guy who keeps saying oh i am weird you don't get it i am weird look at my beanie i am weird but also he's a gangster no he's a gangster's son i think <laughs> no but he's part of the he's part of the serpents no he isn't like his father is a part of the serpents no no he t- in the se- in the, in the second season he's like he's oh, like oh does he okay i haven't reached that i actually oh, i'm reached so that. sorry i've just ruined that for you wow okay that see this makes it even <laughs> weirder <laughs> It's 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 the sort of show like so. Me and Helen would watch it. Uh, we watched the first season, and then I kind of like, and then, I, and then like when it wasn't on, I would think about how terrible it was. And then when it came <laughs> back on, Helen's like, "Oh, second season of you know uh, Riverdale's on uh, Netflix," and I was like, "I don't want to watch that. It's awful." And then she would have it on, and I would like hear a bit of it. I'd hear like someone say something stupid, and I'd be like, "What are they doing?" And then the moment I turned to look at the screen, I was in, and it happened like. <laughs> It happened for like two episodes, and then I was like, "All right, let's just watch Riverdale." <laughs> but it's like it's the sort of thing where like someone will say something unbelievably stupid, like out of context. I mean, probably <laughs> still within context, but out of context when you just hear like a line of dialogue, and you're like, "Why did they write that?" And then you turn to look at the show, and you're like, "You know, it's like uh, Demon Headmaster, which you probably don't know, but it's like like, like the the, the wait, kind wait, of wait, hang on, hang on, they actually go supernatural." No, 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 no! I'm saying that the show itself is like the Demon Headmaster, where like the moment you look at it, it's like now I'm hypnotized. Now I've got to sit and watch the whole like 40 minutes of this thing. Oh, okay, okay, like the manga. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 like uh, it's just it's phenomenal. It's if you haven't the second season is is so much better. Like you need to watch the second season because it's just everything. And I'm, ridi- going, I'm definitely it's going ridiculous. to. Play. It's ridiculous. And, 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 like actually, yeah. Like so, the one thing that I feel that the, <laughs> would make the show better for me if they actually went into the supernatural. Like if they actually tried to go whole hog Twin Peaks. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I would love to see what this particular writing team would do with that because it would be like batshit stupid and crazy. I don't reckon they're that far away. <laughs> I reckon they're like two seasons from vampires. <laughs> <laughs> that but I'd be, in, I'd, be, I'd be in for it, man. I like, I like, it's just, it's amazing. I like what I loved in the first season was just there'd be like episodes where like Josie's band and it'd just yeah. be like, they'd just be playing a song for like, like three and a half minutes and i'd just be watching them play a song and i'm like why am i watching this like why (laughs) what have you like why why am i watching a just like a bad dubbed gig now like why have you made this part of your show and and yeah and then and then it would end and i'm like yeah i'm still watching i'm like i'm still watching it like exactly it's like it, it transitions through so many different tones that really don't go with each other and it's just like a lot of it just doesn't work a lot of people what a lot of the people don't know how to act i believe like they're not necessarily good at what they're doing but they're right. so compelling it's just i don't like, it's uh, it's got a formula that is just magic like it like it it works i don't know what i don't know what the formula is i don't know who they had to sacrifice to make to the gods to make it work but like it but it works so well no i think i think what happened was that when Rabi, uh, roberto aguirre sakasa wrote Afterlife with Archie, he realized that, oh, this would work on TV if this was this times 30. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what happened. Because because uh, the, the great thing with television that you can't really do in comics, is, for me, is that you can, you can actually make it very dense. Like, a 45-minute show can have a lot of scenes. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, like if they're short like you can you can do a lot of like short scenes so you can firstly you can visit a lot of people in the archie universe and you can sort of like oh like okay this is a beloved comics character what can we do with this person yeah yeah, yeah. And that is just something i really like seeing in the archie universe it's like okay chuck is the reggie character for some reason like for the longest time at least 
like he, he's the asshole guy right and like betty there is something dark within me <laughs> And it's oh, like the second season, Biddy. Like when? Oh, I, well, what I can't say. But the, the second season, it, Biddy. Yeah? Is, no, I won't. I won't. But like, oh, the second. We should just do a Riverdale podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the second season is there's there's oh there's so much I could say. I won't say anything. But there's so much I could like. You are in for a delight with basically every character. But Betty's story in the second season is particularly phenomenal and 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 so stupid. <laughs> I'm probably going to reach it in like 3 days. I I'm on I think episode uh, uh I think I'm on the like final couple of episodes of a, a season 1. It seems like it but like then Riverdale like see it seems like I'm getting to some kind of climax right now because uh <laughs> Jagged's father has just been arrested for the murder. All oh, right. Yeah yeah Except yeah. the thing is in Riverdale so much happens that I have no idea how far away I am from the end of the season. Yeah, each episode like resets itself like 17 times before it's finished. It, and it's brilliant. It's like, <laughs> the, the thing is, they chew through so much story. Like, I mean, that is the one genuine, like, unabashed compliment I can give them is that they mm-hmm. chew through a lot of ideas all the yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. And most of them are, like, interesting to watch, if not necessarily good. Yeah, so, and I, but I think that's what it relies on. I think it relies on, on. I think it knows it's not going to be good, but it's no, it knows it's going to be worth watching. It knows it's going to be like a spectacle. Yeah, exactly, and that's there's a there's a like a, there's a joy in making stuff like that, which is not necessarily like, yeah, like I mean I know how stupid it is while I'm writing it, but <laughs> I know how much readers are gonna enjoy it, something like that. I think I think there's a value. That, that. right. Uh, that the is... Archie comic, on the other hand, is like uh, it's it's interesting in how it kind of falls between the old Archie comic and uh, you know Afterlife with Archie slash Riverdale kind of characterization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like there's a lot of genuine drama happening, but it is gen- definitely filtered through this idea of these characters are as good or bad as we remember them. Like, right? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just like slightly tweaked to be more um, teenagey than kiddish. Yeah, it's it's sort of more like a modern kind of like a teenage like a like a Mean Girlsy kind of thing, right? Uh not That's quite. It's like. Yeah, like the character. Okay, what I would say is that the characters are sort of true to each other, true to themselves in their old versions, and they are as good as they were, as in like good, as in like um, character-wise. Like these are nice people uh, who try, who want to be good to each other. Shit happens because okay, like Archie and Archie is trying to date both uh, Betty and Veronica, but in the old comics, that can that gets reset in like you know five pages. But right. like in this one, there are consequences to that. You know, <laughs> right, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. It's like yeah. that. It's like so bad stuff happens, but not because they are bad people. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's like, um, I mean, it is definitely like we're kind of watching a middle-aged white man writing teenagers. So there is a little <laughs> bit off about that. But it right. is genuinely a, like a nice, enjoyable comic. And it is yeah. really well drawn most of the time. Um it's, Tonely it's a fun is comic. very different, though, isn't it? Like Tonely, Archie, and Riverdale are like two ends of a spectrum, as far as I Absolutely. remember from like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and you know the tonal whiplash that I went through, like just okay, I went through, <laughs> I went from like watching uh, like Archie basically being a klutz through a day of his life and his friends kind of being there for him, mm-hmm. to oh, Jughead and Betty are boning, like. <laughs> Like, in like the space of the space of half an episode yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
It, well, it's, it's to be to be king of segways because we talked talking about Riverdale being this kind of like ridiculously silly over the top thing. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I'm meant to. I don't Why know not? I'll to... give you that segue. Yeah, no, it works for Murder Falcon. I I don't know if I'm meant to talk about this or not. Uh, so I won't say too much about it. Um, but it comes out in October. It's Daniel Warren Johnson's new book with Mike Spicer and uh, uh, Russ Wooten. Um, uh, and it is a thing of genuine beauty. Um, the pitch, which uh, is available anyway to to read, is the idea of uh, a guy who um, summons, essentially like summons a murder falcon um, from his guitar when he plays metal. And the falcon feeds off of the metal. Uh, so like the harder the metal, the more aggressive the, the falcon. Um <laughs> And it is like I've read like the first couple of issues of it, and it is like it's 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 like my new favorite thing. It's amazing. It's just it's so I think I just don't know how to describe it. It's just exactly that. Like it's it's like a it's like a murder falcon. So he's like he's like a kind of like a humanoid falcon with like mm. a you know like like a like a badass like like a badass <laughs> like ninja bandana thing. Um, and he's got like a robotic arm, a bit like so, a bit like the main character from Extremity. Uh, you know, she has the kind of like this, this kind of like replaced arm. So he's got this kind of like stupid robotic arm, like Hellboy esque or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, one arm that's just like a normal, like normal humanoid murder falcon arm, and the other arm which is like this metal beastie arm. And uh, there's just this amazing moment where you know, like he's he's fighting this monster on the ground, and he's like looking over it. I think the human guy is called Jake. And he's looking over at Jake, and he's like, Jake, play some metal. And Jake's like, what? He's like, use the guitar, Jake, play metal. And he's, you know, he's like losing this fight against this big monster. And Jake's like, oh, I don't know if I can. And then like starts like, you know, just starts like maybe an E chord and like hits this E chord. And then like Murder Falcon's like, yes, just play more. And then, you know, he's like, oh, it's just, and it's just, it's just that. Like, it's just, I don't know what else, but it's like, it's a bit like, I don't know what else you want. Like, if that's not what you want, what else do you want? Like, what do you want? Yeah, why are like, what you being comics in the first place if you don't want? <laughs> yeah, like, why are you alive if this, is, if this isn't what you want? <laughs> like, it's, it's just really, it's just really good fun. Like, I'm a huge Daniel Warren Johnson fan anyway. Um, yeah. I think his work is incredible. But like, this is like, uh, you know, Extremity was a really emotional book. Um, yeah. for a book that was also about people like beating the shit out of each other, but like Murder Falcon, as much as I've read just so the far, the yeah, it's just it's just fun. It's just like it's just a ton of fun in a really weird and wacky way, but drawn beautifully, coloured beautifully, uh, lettered in a really beautiful way. It's just like the whole thing comes together. I love because we were talking about this before we started recording about the cool way that like the weird synchronicity between this team um, because Mike Spicer and Warren Johnson are almost inseparable. I think when you look at their work on extremity, it's like that the one doesn't exist without the other. Like you, that book was with a different colorist. Yeah. I don't think is as special as it is. Um, and what's interesting about the lettering is like Daniel Warren Johnson is, is hand drawing his balloons in his, into his artwork. Uh, and then Russ Wooten is, uh, is like, lettering into those so it's kind of like a weird um match of like everything's kind of blending in so it's like you don't you can't quite tell where one person ends starts and one person ends and it gives the feeling of a book done by one person unfortunately for everyone else that works in that book most people are just going to attribute it to Daniel warren johnson but it's very much a book where that's three people doing a thing that culminates in one very very cool looking very very special book nice 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 that's that's i'm definitely reading that one like i i saw the it's, preview and i was like this is this is everything i want from comics it's just good like it's just good like i don't know what else 
to say about it. It's just good <laughs> comics. Like, if you have any, if you listen to this, then you probably like comics. I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast because if you don't like comics, um, but if you like com- if you like comics, you need to be re- like you need to read Murder Falcon. Like, I, I promise you, I don't make any commission from this. I wish I did, uh, but like, it's 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 just <laughs> it's just good comics. It's just good. I don't know, you know. If you look at the preview pages, and if you look at the preview page and go, it's not for me, then I don't, maybe you have no soul, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, also, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is a fucking brilliant artist. Like, he just, mm. like, he draws the shit out of stuff. Like, Extremity, I started reading Extremity because of his art. Like, yeah, that for sure. same. so fascinating. Yeah. So, like, I but just like... love whatever he does with that style. Like, I don't understand how it works uh, again. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's I think he just, as long as he gets, and it feels like maybe that's what he's getting from, because I think this is this is Skybound as well, who also image Skybound, who did Extremity as well. I think as long as they, I think they maybe should, if they if they aren't already, just giving them kind of like carte blanche to do whatever he wants, because he knows how to tell a good story. Like Extremity is a really well told story from start to finish. Yeah. Um, he knows how to tell a story. He knows how to draw a story. Uh, he knows he knows how to give everyone he's working with just enough to make them sing as well. Uh, not just enough, but you know enough to make them sing. Um, yeah. Knows knows when to restrain himself. Knows when to go into it. And it's like Murder Falcon is the same. It's a, it's a ridiculous concept, but even within that first issue, you can see where he's kind of pulling back a little bit to restrain this moment <clears throat> and building this moment. It's really good. It's just a really good comic. Great, uh, and I also recommend that people should listen to his interview with uh, David Harper on Off Panel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he said some like he talks about the Murder Falcon, how it happened, and like how they approached it, and it's a, it's a really good interview, like for cool. sure. He yeah. does good interviews, David. He's good. And you can you can sort of uh, get to hear how the book got commissioned in the first place, like a book called Murder Falcon. So <laughs> there's no there is no segue. Like I've been looking at this, trying to figure out how we get from Murder Falcon to the next thing that was on your list, and I like I actually genuinely have no idea. Apart from the fact that both comic books, <laughs> that's, that's as good as I can offer up. Uh, well, okay, so okay, let let me try a, a segue. Like, so basically, <laughs> the com- com- comics kind of like there's a range of comics. On one side is Murder Falcon, which is all about like you know the amazing stuff that comics can do in one way. And mm-hmm. the other book that we can talk about is about some of the amazing stuff comics can do in a different way. Um, <sighs> at least it's related to like one of the books that did that a long time ago. Um, that so, was worse than what I would do. That, so that is the worst segue we've had so far. I just... I would disagree. <laughs> I no no, no. I, I I'm not taking that. Like you've had some really <laughs> bad ones. <laughs> we got there, and it, it if it gets us from A to B, that you know it gets us from A to B. That's all that matters. Exactly. So uh, yesterday I read the Sandman universe, the new comic that is uh, going back to the Sandman, um, you know, the universe, like Sandman mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. And so like that's Vertigo's new, I think, push to kind of, you know, get back to what they when they were like really like interesting, like kind of. So um, you had some questions about this, I think, like because okay, here's my uh, overall review of the book. It's a it's a Go first on. issue. It's kind of like um, a zero issue in some ways. Basically, it kind of starts off, um, starts you off on like four different storylines that are going to continue in other books mm-hmm. uh, while having a teensy bit of a story of its own. So so basically, I think the framing story was written by Sai Spurrier. Uh, the, yep. uh, the, the sort of like the spin-off stories were written by four different people and drawn by four different artists. Okay. And... Well, if you want an introduction, if you want to kind of know whether you should read uh, those books, then the Sandman Universe is a great introduction to that. 
So I can say it. So, I can tell you that much. So I've got my yeah. So I have a question about this, and which was my question whenever something which I like uh, gets redone <laughs> in some form, uh, which is, um, is it is it does it seem to be worth it? Huh. That's I. Okay. Is that a bad question? Is that because are you going to say no and then that's bad, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. It's not a no because I don't think we know enough to kind of take a call on that. Okay. Uh, what they do seem to be doing is that with uh, Gaiman as a consultant, um, they are doing their best to keep away from the stuff that we loved and thereby, right. like uh, you know, they're not destroying it. So basically, yeah. Morpheus does not come back okay. in this. Because his story, well, I think I think Gaiman's been very clear about that that, that Morpheus' story is done. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's fine. Um, with Lucifer, well, they brought him back once, like yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Holly Black series was perfectly nice, but that was one of those things where I was like, was it worth it? Because the first <laughs> Lucifer series to me is like it's fantastic and it ends yeah. beautifully. Like the mm-hmm, ending mm-hmm. is just amazing. So. Um, I was like uh, skeptical about that, but now that I've made my peace with that version, this version doesn't seem like too much of a leap to me. Plus, okay. uh, a friend of mine's writing it, so like I'm 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 good to go with that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the book uh, <laughs> unless I dislike it, in which I will definitely hate on the book. Uh, so what, what what do you think? What was but, the most interesting element of it for you? Uh, pardon me. What was the most interesting part of it for you? Um. I would say the uh, ha- House of Whispers stuff and okay. the Lucifer stuff. So House of Whispers is... Uh, uh, sh- shit, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, uh, who- who's writing it? Uh, I don't know. Can you look it up? Yes. <laughs> or wait, uh, or, or I can just try and see if I can find the book. Hang on, hang on. I, I can tell you. Um, yeah, so uh, Nalo Hopkinson is writing that one, I believe. Okay, okay. Uh, either Nalo yeah. Hopkinson or Cat Howard. Like, I, I have to uh, figure that Nalo out. Nalo Hopkinson. Yeah, yeah, it is. Nalo Hopkinson, yeah, is doing House of Whispers. Okay, yeah. So that stuff was really interesting to me um, because that was something completely new. Like, that genuinely felt like this is a new story that is just happening in the same universe and it's not mm-hmm. trying to continue a story. It's not trying to overwrite anything. Um, so... And it has a very specific tone to it, which is like, essentially, it's voodoo meets uh, the Sandman universe. Okay. Written by somebody who's familiar with the voodoo tradition. Yeah. So, like, who's coming from that. Uh, So, I found it really interesting. Like, it was doing what uh, Neil Gaiman is great at doing, which is um, simultaneously humanizing and alienating you from uh, (laughs) these godlike characters. Yeah. Uh, that that one does exactly that so <clears throat> I really enjoyed that as a surprise as in like this is not what I expected everything cool. else in the book was stuff I had expected right um, right right but it was still quite enjoyable like Lucifer for example it's like Lucifer is exactly how you think he would be and mm-hmm. he he gets posed certain questions that he's going to answer over the series which okay. knowing the character of Lucifer it's interesting how he will approach them Right, right. So right. yeah, like so that's that's all that happens there. Like that one's a very mood piece kind of thing. Um, while the House of Whispers thing is properly an introduction to a story, like it feels like a first chapter in something. But these, but this is like a book that is just that's just like this, right? And then you buy the single issues. It's not like an ongoing Sandman universe. 
Still? I would say so because it that's what it seems like because if they right. did a number two of this um then what are the series for like that would be <laughs> yeah 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 well I've been yes. I've been I want I, Lucifer was the one that was had piqued my interest the most but I I wanted I wanted to try this because I wanted to kind of get which I guess is the point I wanted to get like a bit of a sampler of everything else yeah so I think Lucifer was always on my radar but I wanted to try everything else but House of Whisper sounds interesting yeah, House of Whispers is definitely interesting, and um, even the dreaming stuff is really good. Uh, but that one, it feels like you know you've seen this before, and this is a different version of that. Right. So, like, I mean, it depends on whether you're interested in that. Because for me, for me, the dreaming is not interesting without uh, Morpheus. Then. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah, the characters. I, I probably agree. You know, like it, it, it's like you know there there are settings where. Um, you know, I feel that they might have taken the wrong thing. Like, e- even in the previous version, there was a dreaming series uh, in the 90s, which I read and occasionally enjoyed. <laughs> because because it was an anthology series with, like, different writers all the time. Um, mm-hmm. This one seems to be more of a continuing thing with uh, the characters like Lucian and stuff. And what they've done that is smart, I believe, is that they've created a new character who's partly a mystery and partly a, just a good character by herself. Okay. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, well... At least initially, like it's the dreaming without Morpheus. So, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. However interesting that is to you, uh, that's how interesting this book is going to be. Um, yeah. What is left? Oh, uh, the Tim Hunter one. So Tim Hunter is a like I I I never really enjoyed uh, Neil Gaiman's original The Books of Magic in the first place. So Tim Hunter is not a particularly interesting character to me. What I think they've done is that they've de-aged him and put him back in school. Um, so I don't know how that works because I think. He aged through the course of the Vertigo series, but they might have undone that or something like that. So again, again, that's like, well, if Tim Hunter is interesting to you, that is interesting. <laughs> right, sure, things. sure. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but see, uh, I mean, I'm saying all of this from a base level of all of these uh, stories were enjoyable. Like yeah. I read them and I did not like get bored at any, any point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like when I'm deciding whether to pick up one of these... For me, it's definitely going to be uh, uh, House of Whispers and Lucifer, and maybe The Dreaming because uh, I think Sizeberry is writing that, so he he's yeah. a generally a dependably good writer. So I might check that out. Yeah. Well, again, I I I'm struggling how to get from Sandman Universe to Maggie Garrison. What uh, is Maggie Garrison? Maggie Garrison, good question. That's a good segue. <laughs> so Maggie Garrison uh, is a book that I picked up a while ago. So I like I I I found uh, Europe Comics had like a, a sale on Comicsology about uh, maybe maybe a year ago or something like that, um, and it was like a lot of books were like half off or, or or over half off, and so I just was flicking through and seeing what everything was and and just buying just random stuff to see if it if it was going to be fun because a few of the Europe comic books I bought before I just really enjoyed so they're pretty pretty good hit rate with them. Um, and I found this thing called Maggie Garrison, which is basically just like, she's just like a kind of uh, private eye, you know, kind of like classical kind of noir, schlubby private eye, a bit down on mm. a look kind of thing. Um, mm. But uh, but it was set in like modern day London. Um, it's by uh, Louis Trondheim and Stephanie Ory. Uh, and nice. I, for some reason, I, you know, I, when I was, I was in the middle of nowhere, so I didn't have any data and I had it downloaded on my um, on my phone, which is not the ideal place to read a comic book. But I had it downloaded on my Comixology app on my on my phone, which is like one of the very few things I've got on my phone downloaded. So I was just like, I was like, well, the internet, I can't get internet, I can't get phone signal. Um, 
so I was like, well, I'll just read this thing. Um, and I was just hooked. I was just like, I just went through it, reading it, like reading it, reading it, reading it. And it's a really, really cool first volume. So I think there's like three or four volumes on Europe Comics. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't, I'm assuming it's probably been translated if it's for Europe Comics. I guess it's probably maybe French originally as well. I get the vibe. Um, probably. Louis Fondheim writes in French. Uh, in French. Mostly. Okay. There you go. So yeah, so I guess it was French first, but it was, it's, it's it feels very British. Um but the it's the story is it's, it's kind of, the story is kind of like one of those kind of you know she's kind of investigating one thing and it turns out to be like another thing, um, and then she kind of gets has like a kind of like a second mini mystery and it ends up being involved in like the first mystery etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's very much what you'd expect from like a kind of like private eye private detective uh, mystery, but it's just really well told and the thing has like so much charm, uh, which I don't I don't think that's so much a thing that you can write in there so much as just you have a knack for it. And yeah. like they, there's just a that book just has a knack for charm. Like I love Maggie, I love her story. She's great. I would like to meet her in person. She kind of just like goes to the pub and drinks on drinks by herself and just causes mischief. Um, <laughs> and it's just she's just a great. She's just like a really great character, well-rounded character. She's not super strong. She's not like super smart <laughs> either. Um, she's just trying to do her thing. Um, and she falls for things. She falls for stupid, stupid things she shouldn't fall for. And she beats herself up about it. But she gets back up and she carries on trying to figure this this story out. And in the end, you know what? She does, right? Obviously. Um, yeah. But it's so, but it's just so well done. And it's it's one of those other books that's just like a kind of like a joy to read. Um, it's just fun. And it's kind of like you, you end up you, it's not like a detective story, which sometimes happens, where you feel like the detective is duping you as much as the story is duping you, um, with their voiceover or whatever. They're kind of like stringing you along, and it turns out, oh my god, they knew all along. They've actually just done this. To... It's it's not yeah. that at all. It's like you and Maggie uh, are in this together. You both don't quite know what's going on, uh, but together, maybe you and you and the book will figure it out. Um, and it's just a really really fun read. Um, that sounds delightful. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to get the next couple of volumes uh, and, and enjoy them just as much, I'm sure. Um, but also just Europe Comics generally, I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff I found on there. Like I, I it was your birthday recently, and I yeah. gifted you some some Valentine, which was um, that sounds weird when you say it like that. Um, which <laughs> which was another book on Europe Comics, which I'm a huge huge fan of. There's like eight volumes that I've devoured. Um, they nice. just they, they they seem to have a really whoever is there is in their team like kind of picking books. They seem to have a really good eye for picking books that are kind of like worth reading. It's really good stuff. So Very try nice. them. I, I think Europe Comics also has uh, some Gabriel Hernandez Volta work. Yes, yes, yeah, Suicide which Forest, which is excellent. Nice. I haven't checked it out yet. Like I saw Ivan Brandon talking about it, so I was like, okay, yeah. this is something I need to pick up. Yes, his, his work so is. So are they digital only? Are they digital yeah. only or are they print as well? No. Yeah, so Europe Comics' whole shtick, I think, is they're only digital. Right. Um, but they're, they're, they're all pretty cheap and they, they tend to have sales every now and then. But they're all cheap. They're cheap enough as it is. Like, I think Maggie Garrison's like £3 or whatever. Um, no, Suicide bad. Forest is like a pound fifty maybe because you know, it's only like a 20-page 20 20-page 20 book. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, Suicide Forest is really good. Um, I did a strip pile naked on it, I think, if I remember if I remember right, on some really cool stuff that... Um, Del, Del, it's Del Torres, I think, and uh, um, Walter do on that book. It's really good. It's a really beautiful thing. It's nice. art, the art is so cool because he kind of like watercolors it himself as well. It's really, it's really worth looking. Oh, that's that's my favorite thing. When he yeah, does it's good. That it's good. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm check, definitely checking all of these things out. <laughs> like Maggie Garrison sounds absolutely the kind of book I want to be reading. It's fun. It's just good fun, and it, you'll just yeah. It's it kind of has like a really nice sensibility to it. I just. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It reminded me a lot of like Stumptown, 
um, which yeah. I can't I can't bring up in conversation without a tear in my eye. Um, the fact that Stumptown doesn't continue anymore. When, when Greg Rooker comes to football, that's the first thing I'm going to ask him. I'm be like, why? Why? Like, why you're, have you done this to me? Yeah, you're just going to scare him away. <laughs> but it has like, that sense. Of it. Like you're going to you're going to see him across the hall and they're going to be Stumptown. People. I want to be I want to be the the guy that makes him bring back Stumptown because I want more Stumptown. <laughs> but it's like that because Stump, Stumptown is a very similar thing where it's like it was well. A, a female-led detective, um, but more importantly, the, the thing that I, I think has a more common theme is that they were not—they were both not particularly great at it. Like they are good, but they are—they have big downfalls. And I, I like—I like that in the detective where it isn't their downfall isn't that they're like they're too smart or that their downfall isn't that they're like you know uh, too much of a genius or whatever. Uh, yeah. the, the downfalls are just that they're just kind of like regular people. They just—they just fuck up some stuff, and it's like I like that. Like it—it's just I. I it's a hard distinction, but I don't think you find it very much in that kind of like, kind of like standard uh, detective kind of noiry kind of stories. No, I agree with you because, like, I mean, I would be much more interested in seeing some something like this, like where um, it's uh, like. So, have you seen the? Um, uh, okay, you probably haven't, uh, but there's a there's a Hindi series called Sacred Games, which right. uh, is on Netflix, and they there's an English version of that. There's an English dubbed version of that, which mm-hmm. I would say is far less interesting because it loses a lot of the you know Hindi slang, and so it's like the the original series is basically trilingual, like it's it's in Hindi. No, it's like okay, four languages. It's in English, Marathi, Hindi, and Punjabi. Right. And, because it's set in Mumbai where like you get people from all of these uh, areas and they basically talk in the language that they're comfortable in. So it's like four different languages going on. So obviously that gets flattened out uh, a lot in the English version. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I liked about it is while the the main guy, it's basically about this police officer who kind of gets into a mystery that is far bigger than himself, which I, I would like to talk about a little before we switch to the next topic as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, he kind of gets uh, uh, involved in a case which kind of goes way bigger than he expected. And he is in his 40s and he's divorced and, you know, all of those things. But mm. it's not like he's particularly traumatized by it. It's just like he's leading his life. He uh, So he has a little, he has an assistant, like he's a, he has a constable assigned to him. They go drinking together and they kind of talk about life and stuff and while all of that is going on, like they're trying to solve this case. And that has that particular touch where I was like, you know, I want that homely stuff. I want this person to be a human person rather than somebody who's like traumatized in various ways or something. Right. Um, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that noir thing of, you know, they're, they're, they're amazing, but they're also like, um, you know, damaged and whatever. So yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than that, this is just like, this is just about people. So yeah, it it has that. It's the same thing because it's yeah, it's 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 not so much that they are like damaged in the kind of like because uh, I think the problem with like noir detectives generally historically is they're kind of like these kind of like damaged, love lost, love torn or whatever yeah, people that, yeah. but they're also usually like the smartest person in the room. And, exactly, and Maggie yeah. Maggie is not the smartest person in the room, but she's probably the most like feisty, and she's probably the hardest working person in the room, and that's how she succeeds by just not giving up. And I, I like that more than I like the message of a general noir, which is like, this dude's well smart, like he's going to get you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm definitely going to check that out. And you might want to check out Sacred Games as well, because uh, yeah. um, it's, um, it, it's, it's not amazing, like it's not brilliant, but it is really nice. And if you want a series that conveys a lot about like how India works at the moment, mm-hmm. it's quite nice. Yeah. That sounds cool. 
So now I've got a transition from. No, no, wait, I, I wanted to talk about. Uh, sorry, I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, so there's a trend of like comics where um, you know uh, there's a smaller mystery that the detective is trying to solve, and that turns out to be a way bigger mystery. Like I think Chinatown mm-hmm. had that. Like, I just, I just want like, what do you think is the, you know, attraction towards that? Like, I, I don't, I don't quite get why this is a such a big trend. The thing, the thing, I, this is like the standard thing for detective stories is you have, you have like the one story, which is, is, is like the big story, like the main, the main driver. And then you have what is apparently yeah. a subplot. And that subplot obviously always ends up being involved in the main, in the main story. It's not like two separate stories that just run concurrently. It's like, so the plot, plot A is, uh, there's like a, a heist down at the bank or whatever. And then plot B is like the pretty dame walks into the office, but of course the pretty dame is like linked to the bank robbery in some relation and blah, blah, blah. It's, I, it's, it's just, an, to me, it always just seems like a neat tidying up. And it's also a bit of a distraction. It's like, uh, it's like a bit like a magic trick, you know, when you, you know, you, you, you get the person to look left while you do a bit of palming with, on your right hand. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it always feels like to me is because detective books always feel like, a standard detective book always feels a little bit to me like like a magic trick where I'm tr- they're trying to prove like how clever they are by not letting me see the the end result before it's time. Um, like right. I, I, I'm I'm being distracted by this secondary mystery and this kind of like mini love story that the detective's having, and then it turns out oh actually you know she was actually working with the bad guys all along, or she's on the run from the bad guys and she's using him blah 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 blah. And now yeah. you know I've revealed the flowers now. Um, but it's <laughs> it's it's good, but it's it. it, it the, the the problem is as with anything when once you once you read it like six times and you, you can see everything that's about to happen, um, yeah. like the formula becomes more difficult. Which is why I think Maggie Garrison it does not break that formula necessarily, but it just yeah. does something different enough with that formula to make it a bit more interesting again. But it's yeah. I think I think it's just distraction. You know, it's it is very much like I'm going to distract you with this mini subplot so you forget about this bigger plot. But obviously those two things are related anyway. No, I like that. I like that. I think that's 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 some good kind of yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm convinced. You've convinced me. Well, to talk about right, so there's there's oh no, this is a really One bad segue. This, how, know, how do you transition from this? This is a terrible segue. Oh, what I was going to say was we're talking about uh, two things. Um, <laughs> where, can you see where I'm going? Talking about two Not things quite. that come together. Oh, this is terrible. Two things that are separate. For example, on a on a on a compass, east and west. Holy shit! I, I I was I was like. <laughs> I hope he's not going there. <laughs> so, let me get there. So east and west are two separate things, but then they come together like like a, a main plot and a subplot, uh, and together they form east of west, which I believe was the last thing you want to talk about. I, I think you've trumped me with the worst segue of all time. <laughs> I was pretty chuffed with that one. That was pretty good. And that, that That's one of those things where, you know, everybody cringes and that is why it's good. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not ashamed. He, he, yeah, so so uh, I have been reading. Uh, I have been reading um, East of West. I just got caught up with it, um, and I think it's probably one of my favorite series running right now. Like I, I think I slept on it. Like I think I it, it was a mistake not to read it earlier, mm-hmm. pretty much because um, like it does a lot of really good things um, with the form and. Um, like, firstly, I think Nick Dragota is a genius. Like, the, the, <laughs> like he has a fan for life in me. And mm-hmm. one of the particular things that I really enjoy about his work is the staging, specifically. That uh, there are these shots that he makes that just land the moment that Hickman is writing. And 
I think it's like a, it, it's probably a fairly close collaboration. I believe they do this sort of vague Marvel style thing, where Dragota gets to choose the shots. Um, yeah. But like whatever it is, he just like makes moments land and makes me feel for the characters in a way that I generally don't uh, feel in comics. And also, he has a utterly brilliant knack of doing single page splash pages which like there are so many splashes there where i would look at the page and i'm like if i was trying to compose this i would have no idea like how to get there. <laughs> because it's it right. like, even even the way he's done it it feels almost impossible that like mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. no how did the how does this composition work at all Be- because you like it's just beautiful like there's there's this particular shot that um it's kind of a spoiler because it comes uh, late, so I'm not going to say what it is. But there's a thing that goes into another thing at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that the way you will. Uh, but yeah. like the, the way he's composed that shot is just, I was astounded. I was like looking at it for 10 minutes and just like, how does this shot even work? Like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. so beautifully done. And it, it's done in a way that I think like you couldn't do in live action because there the composition would kind of fall apart. But yeah. because it's comics, you can draw stuff, you can exaggerate stuff in certain ways and you can sort of make things work. And the way Dragota kind of like just tunes reality to make things work is beautiful. And yeah. So that's, yeah. I was going to say the design, because we were talking about this a little bit beforehand and there's like the design of the world is a thing that always stuck in my mind. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've read East of West, uh, quite a few years, I think. Um, I was reading it when it came out at the time. Um, but the things that always stick in my mind, I mean, the main thing that always sticks in my mind is the big dog horse uh, gun thingy design, yeah, which is, oh, that's beautiful. yeah, yeah. It, it's something that is, it's like, it's amazing how they're able to make that creature or whatever you would class it as have like so much character and yet also just be like essentially a large like cylinder and yeah it has a character right it, like it like it, it sort of feels like a thing that has a personality and yet it's just a, like a large exactly. cylinder on some legs and and it only says wolf like it doesn't say anything <laughs> yeah yeah that's brilliant. And like, there's one thing I kind of noticed. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's a very minor one. So I'm going to spoil it. So uh, <laughs> Death rides on this uh, horse, which is also like uh, like the dog. It's it's a mechanical one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you meet a lot of people throughout the series who are riding on these uh, cylindrical hover bike kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then at some point of time in one issue, that hover bike thing turns into one of those horses. <laughs> And you're like, oh shit, yes, that that makes perfect sense. And they just, <laughs> but this just happens like thirty issues into the series. Yeah, and you don't expect it, and it's just a beautiful work of design. Like, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is very believable in the sense of, oh, if this was in the real world, yes, why would you design two things when you can design one thing that can be both? Yeah. yeah. So it's just brilliantly done. I yeah, think this, and. This one... um, I was going to say, I think design's one of those things where it's like it probably doesn't get mentioned enough in comics as it should do because some comics contain genuinely genius designs. But yeah, East of West, I think, is just full of really, really, really clever and cool designs. Absolutely. It's like just every every design you look at, like whether it's architectural design or like a costume design, mm-hmm. there's a lot of thought put into it. Like, so there's this, um, there's this, uh, uh, one of the nations in East of West is a nation of like, uh, basically it's called... Uh, the endless nation basically is, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a group of the first nations people who have got together and kind of created a new technological nation 
and their costume design is just beautiful like the, it's basically they're wearing trousers and belts and everything and there are these sort of um you know the way uh, a you know a culture like uh, might in ceremony kind of refer back to uh, things that it's kind of discarded in normal life but it kind yeah. of still pays tribute to in like uh, ceremonial stuff like so for example mm-hmm. in india um, everybody like okay uh, all, like the men will wear like shirts and trousers as like everywhere but in ceremonial stuff like they'll wear kurtas they'll wear turbans they'll you know that kind mm-hmm. of stuff like throw back yeah. to their um, the past and once in a while you'll combine those with uh, jeans or something <laughs> right, and yeah. you know that kind of very practical thing of like okay yes i i'm i'm going to do this but i'm also going to be comfortable right yeah, yeah so he does that like he designs those things and it's just genuinely like the design of that world is beautiful the way he draws stuff is brilliant the way he draws action is amazing there's one silent issue with which is like one gigantic fight sequence and usually those are excuses for boring um issues but right. no yeah. that one really works <laughs> you know and also like hickman's writing like there's a um there's a there's an interesting thing that he does where there's a one there's one gigantic gap in the story that you don't know like something happened because of which something else happened mm-hmm. and you know what happened after but you don't know what happened then mm-hmm. and i'm i'm guessing that it's going to be revealed towards the end but even if it isn't it is just like it's something that kind of keeps you slightly off balance in the world constantly right. because yeah, the yeah. characters all know something that you don't know <laughs> right yeah yeah and it sort of uh, lets them interact with each other in ways that are uh, you know that that are not necessarily known to you but like it sort of like convinces you like it convinces that you're watching a real world it's it's just very nicely done and it's beautifully plotted like uh, the plotting of that book is also amazing that's yeah. a similar trick that he uses in black monday murders as well though right like in black monday murders there is a sense of a thing you don't know like there is a there is a world and a language and a and a, a system yeah. that every other character more or less apart from like the detective essentially that like every other character knows how that works it's just you don't and the, de- and the detective doesn't and you yeah. and you'll get like little moments of scenes where you see a part of that happening like a part of that process like going on but it just doesn't mean anything to you but it's like you're still watching it going like oh fuck if only i could like figure that yeah. bit out it's cool it's a very, it is it's a very it's a very clever little trick it's a very clever little trick yeah it's, it's sort of like it's a very genre way of doing a very literary yeah. thing mm-hmm. where uh, it's like in literature like i mean literary fiction like you you're supposed to like sort of come at things sideways you're not supposed to like uh, try and reveal like you don't you don't state boldly you imply you know yeah yeah. Uh, so like he does that except he does it in a very genre way in which there is a thing that happened which i'm not going to tell you <laughs> yeah 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 which is very clever like i really like it also i really like this trick that he does off um so sometimes he kind of gives you two cliffhangers in each issue uh, by essentially you know uh, placing an interstitial page in the middle so you think mm-hmm. the issue is over but then you turn the page and there's one little sequence left <laughs> and right, yeah, and yeah. then you kind of like as a reader you kind of come to that sequence fresh because you think oh that's the beginning of the next thing mm-hmm. and then three pages later it's over and you just like you think it's almost like you read more than you actually did mm-hmm. like you so you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck yep. all the time 
Yeah, that's nice. Uh, yeah. That's a nice trick. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a trick I'm stealing. I'm I'm declaring it here. Like, so if he ever calls me out on it, I'm like, I told you I'm stealing. Uh, yeah. He he was... does that in other books as well, I think. But this is the one where I thought it was really effective. Well, as I said, there was there was one thing as well that you were saying that like threw you off guard with this book. Yeah, yeah. So so technically, this is the fourth time I started reading East of West. <laughs> right. And what would happen is that I would read the first uh, two or three issues. And I would just give up because I kind of couldn't read them. Like it was difficult to actually simply read them. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that they were way more of obfuscatory than they needed to be and stuff. And the reason was that there are these narrative captions going on throughout the issue. And some of them are in italics and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. So I used to think that, okay, so the narrator is talking and once in a while he's emphasizing stuff. So that's in italics, except like, the, I don't know, the narration seems to be resetting every scene. The narration seems to be talking about something that's completely irrelevant to what was just being talked about. Like, I kind of couldn't get my head around, like, how it's happening. It felt off. And then, like, on the fourth read, again, like, halfway through issue four, I realized that the non-italics narrative captions were not actually narrative captions at all. They were quote captions. So basically, yeah. that was character speaking. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the way you usually do where, uh, let's say it's a it's the end of the previous scene and you kind of overlay one quote caption and yeah. then you transition to the actual character talking. Except yeah, yeah. if you don't understand that the previous one was a character talking, you're incredibly confused, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what happened to me. And I just realized that, that the italics were the actual narration and the other one wasn't. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I kind of, oh, this is perfectly readable. Like I can, I understand this now. And <laughs> like, I, the thing is, when I say that it might sound like a complaint, but it's not quite, <laughs> it's the problem is that I, I work as a letterer and there are some things that are sort of ingrained in me. So yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. look at the caption without quotes as a quote caption at all. Like it has, it, yeah. like I had to bend to do that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. If I was reading manga, I would have reset my expectations quite a bit. And like I've, I've read manga where quote captions don't have quotes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I understood them perfectly. But So it, it was your fault is what you're saying? Not precisely what I was saying, <laughs> but uh, well. So no, so it's an interesting decision. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of have to like retrain yourself to, to, to read it like that. Exactly, exactly. And it took mm-hmm. five minutes, except I didn't know I was supposed to retrain myself. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. the problem. Like, the prob- like, with manga, I know that I'm supposed to read from right to left. It's, so, yeah. I can take me like a couple of pages, but I do it. Except if I was reading manga and I did not know that the original language was right to left, I would be very confused, starting from the final page, going to the first page. It would, like, it would be very weird. It was kind of like that. And... I would say that not a like it's it's not a bad decision. It's not like it's the wrong decision to have made because there are times when the fact that the captions don't have quotes makes them more portentous, makes them like more effective in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except like I wish there was a way of communicating that to a new reader that like okay, this is what's happening because see we. Like, I am not somebody who necessarily uh, advocates clarity above all else. Mm-hmm. But, like, so why, like, when you choose to make an obfuscatory choice, it's like, you know, you justify it to yourself. I don't know right. what Hickman's justification is, because I, I'm guessing it was Hickman's choice, because mm-hmm. I've read other Russ Wooten lettering, and that one tends, that tends to have quote captions. I yep. think it's a Hickman thing, probably. 
I would love to see their reasoning. Like I would love to hear what they were thinking of while doing that. So that was that would be my one like semi or quasi complaint about uh, East of West. But other than that, I genuinely just love this <laughs> it's yeah, it's one of the, it's one of those things I mean I've been meaning to get back to. Uh, this is a good excuse to do it as well. I really, really, really enjoyed the first. Uh, three trades yeah start from the beginning like start from yeah. the be- the beginning and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of battle through it yeah it's, it's a it's a good book like i read it in five days i think like all no not even five days uh three days i read it in three days all the way through and just like i was hooked it's fantastic so i'm, I'm reading rereading it now because i like i know i missed a lot of stuff i know i missed a lot of like formula stuff that they were doing so i want to kind of just go back over and kind of just look at it's um it's an, it's now added to my list which is probably a good thing i'm like i'm gonna go and quickly recap yeah uh the stuff that we've said so i started with immortal hulk which you should definitely 100 percent check out yes um also any and all the animal books uh doom patrol uh maybe you start with doom patrol but but try everything else um murder falcon is out in october i think you should totally buy the first issue of Murder Falcon. Uh, you will know immediately, I think, if it's your sort of thing. Uh, it should be your sort of thing because it should be everyone's sort of thing. But you'll know from like the first two pages if uh, if you're going to love it forever. Um, and then the other thing I mentioned was on Europe Comics, which is I, th- I think mostly it's probably easier to go from Comicsology. I'm not sure if they if they sell anywhere else actually. Maybe on Amazon as well. Um, but Maggie Garrison from uh, Europe Comics was also really really good. And you had... Yeah, so the books I talked about were, firstly, All New Wolverine. So that one I recommend if you like, you know, very story-based superhero comics, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meat and potatoes, as they call it, uh, but just really <laughs> well done with great, char- uh, you know, great characterization. I would mm-hmm. recommend All New Wolverine, the whole run, like 1 to 35, I believe. Then uh, I talked about Riverdale, which... I would not recommend to anybody. You got to watch it and figure out if you like it or not. I really like it. And by what Hass says, I'm really going to like season two as well. Um, yeah, for sure. But it's like, it's it's thoroughly recommended if you like weird, weird trashy shows. Um, yeah. Then Archie, the actual comic book series uh, written by Mark Waid, drawn by Fiona Staples and other people. I would definitely recommend this if you're a fan of the old Archie, like the old Archie comics, like you, if you grew up reading those, it's a pretty nice update, kind of bringing it to like uh, a semblance of the real world, but still as cozy and fun as Archie ever was. Um, then the Sandman universe, um, if you're interested in the Sandman books and like if you're interested in seeing how, uh, you know, for reasonably talented people, like they continue how to do, uh, you know, they can continue the Sandman, you might mm-hmm. want to check this out for a sampler, but yeah. it's much more of a sampler than anything else. It's like, it's not exactly a first issue of anything. Yeah, I'm going to um, grab that, I think. Yeah. And then finally, East of West, which, well... I'm just going to recommend to everybody because East of Us <laughs> is just amazing. It's like, it's like, it's as epic as Game of Thrones in many ways. It is mm-hmm. as pulpy fun while also being a really well-written and well-drawn comic that does a lot of interesting tricks throughout. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, Nick Dragota is a, like, I think, bona fide genius. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just amazing. It's, so, it's like, like at the very least just look at it right <laughs> like yeah just look at it like, look you, at yeah it. even if you don't read it just fucking look at this book it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. no that's, that's that's a nice way of wrapping up uh just look at things more <laughs> but, but make, make sure one of those things is east of west um 
Well, thanks for thanks for checking out this week's Letters and Lines. I say this week's like we've been on the weekly schedule. Uh, <laughs> thanks for checking out we, we this episode. We call this episode like a placebo episode. <laughs> yeah, just to remind everyone we still exist. Um, thanks for checking out this Letters and Lines with Aditra and me. Uh, you can find the podcast at all the usual places that you can find podcasts, including like iTunes and things like that. You can keep up with me on Twitter at Aditya B and on my website at adityab.net. And I'm on Twitter at Hassan OE. Plus, you can check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and the magazine I edit at panelxpanel.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>